0: clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events.
2: Tune in for a
3: balanced view
0: of the other side of the news. Welcome my name is timothy saunders i'm one of your trio of co-hosts on this 69th edition of the other side of the news i'm speaking to you this early morning from southwest turkey which has endured another rough week due to multiple forest fires as the sun rises through the hazy atmosphere here whichever time zone you are currently experiencing hopefully we're relaxing into the show and are well eager to hear some fascinating insights from our latest guest I'll soon be joined by Kintia from her wheelhouse close to San Francisco, together with Annette Driscoll, who is also currently in California. This show is entitled Forecasting Humanity. The weekly global mainstream news is usually dominated by a single subject, which is not only part of the minority's iterative strategy to infiltrate the population with their propaganda, to ed- Self-selected lemmings one step closer to the cliff edge, but also to distract us all from a balanced view of the real news, which remains prolific just beyond the thin veil of mainstream censorship. From my weekly research, using independent sources, there is a vein of gold which includes a wide scope of truth bombs, scientific evidence, and on occasion, significant breakthroughs. If only the masses would take the time to search a little further beyond the mainstream boundaries and discern even a little. This is how so many continue to be brainwashed to hand over their rights and surrender their freedom, leading to the poisoning via the vax and even act on behalf of the minority themselves by trying to police those around them who are far less subservient, all because they still cling on to their belief of humanity as portrayed through the mainstream and social media. This is all part of the minority's ongoing cover-up to perpetuate and hoax pandemic or plandemic, as you may prefer, by keeping the sheep stupid. And now they are encouraging them to attempt to paint targets on the backs of those who wish to learn the truth. This week, I would say the mainstream subject of choice is to offer the perception The world belongs only to those who have succumbed to the vax. While this is no surprise, nor is it even new, nonetheless, it seems to be the designated subject of the week and fits in nicely with the minority's narrative. We have previously illustrated how the mainstream media channels no longer originate anything but simply repeat what they have been told to say in unison, often on a global scale. On the other side of the coin, There are many breakthroughs. Please check our links. Wouldn't you really like to hear a normal debate about COVID? To have two or more teams of doctors, scientists and lawyers who would tackle the fundamental subject based on facts, perhaps in a live televised debate? Would this not be what would be the solution for all of us, surely, if this hoax is built on so much hard evidence? it would be a pushover to discredit the opposition. But no, instead of a healthy debate, we are force-fed censorship, lies, and misdirection, a cacophony of male bovine excrement spouted by weak-minded puppet leaders, doctors, who can only think according to the Rockefeller syllabus, repeated ad nauseum by mainstream media prostitutes to a point of total saturation for those either who cannot let out their previous delusion of life, or have simply been coerced. This COVID wedge, which the minority continues to purposely drive through the heart of humanity, is testing all of us. It's testing society, testing our relationships, and our bonds with all that we know. The only way we are going to get through this is to believe in ourselves, to strengthen our foundations, and to build communities around us. While New York's mayor, de Blasio, is proudly announcing New Yorkers will have to carry a green vax passport in order to be entitled to take part in any form of normal life, Florida and Texas continue to prosper without any lockdown protocols at all. While Australia and New Zealand, which are currently experiencing their winter, continue to be sequentially locked down with an aggressive grab of their freedom, Canada, which has previously been subject to very strict lockdowns, has experienced yet another legal precedent, this time in Alberta, thanks to a court case where, due to a total inability to prove COVID exists due to lack of evidence, all lockdown protocols have now been cancelled. And the status of COVID 19 has been reduced from emergency level to a less threatening status. That reminds me of the UK which is supposed to be enjoying normal life after their recent Freedom Day in late July, is now going through an intensified vaccine passport frenzy. Little do most UK citizens understand this entire pandemic is based on an alleged virus, which was downgraded from emergency status in circa March 2020 and remains downgraded. So why on earth does anyone follow these fraudulent lockdown protocols? as there are no grounds on which to base this pandemic on at all. Ah, perhaps the lockdowns are based on the variants then. Well, that is going to be challenging to prove. As an extensive search was made this week for a means of testing these variants, officials were recorded while being asked to perform a test specifically to diagnose one of the variants. Strangely, the officials admitted there is no such test for these variants. So if the variants cannot be tested, how can doctors or anyone for that matter be aware if these variants even exist outside of the toxic tune world in which the minority's pawns live in? You would think this would be a red flag. Well, German musical artist Nena not only raised a red flag, but 99 red balloons to boot. And during a recent live concert at Berlin's Schoenfeld Airport where attendees were caged in and separated like cattle at an agricultural show. Naina successfully used her stage performance to platform her opinions about COVID-19, the ongoing tyranny and how everyone has the choice to take or refuse the vax. She also encouraged her fans to join her on stage rather than remain in their cages. Naturally, the organizers and authorities were not amused. More and more artists are using their performance to reach their own truth, which a previously reported Irish artist Van Morrison has written material specifically to define the lockdown protocols and tyranny behind the pandemic. After performing his song, No More Lockdown Live, he was challenged by the authorities uh, to conform to the mandates and protocols or to discontinue. I'm delighted to hear this week that Van Morrison did not bow down to the courts, and instead chose to continue to defy the rules by postponing his concerts. While well, then, this may be disappointing to his fans. I believe it shows more strength in the big picture and will create a bigger wave. As a result, I'm sure he won't mind if we queue up a little extract from one of his new songs at the bottom of the hour. I very much look forward to hearing our guests' perspective regarding this essential waking process. All the view to illuminate the best path to lead us to a positive outcome. You may find us at www.theothersideofthenews.com There you will see details for the show, quick links to our bios, as well as links to our show items, references and selected research. As usual, there is a huge collection of information to read, watch and listen to, most of which has been handpicked from independent sources. I urge you to study them and even download your own copies sooner than later. And as the censorship robots are working around the clock to rewrite our history in real time. During the last week, we've been inundated by a deluge of remarkable events and headlines reported in the news to discuss, validate and present each topic in correct context could all de- too easily fill up an entire show by itself. As the other side of the news is not per se a typical news show, and in order to make the best use of our available airtime, I believe we should plot a direct course to greet the rest of our team and to introduce our special guest, Dr. James DeMaio. Good evening, Kintia. Good evening, Anessa. Have you experienced it's... any lead balloons this week?
4: <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> this is Kintia. No, I haven't personally, but... I, um... As far as balloons, I'm celebrating with, when I think of balloons, I think of celebration, and I am really excited about what has happened in Alberta, Canada, with the freedom fighters there. There's one gentleman who's a gas and oil worker with a degree in um, safety and environment has been protesting. His group has been holding protests for the last couple of years, and on their 200th protest. He was served a $1,200 fine. And so, you know, this would look like a small thing, but what happened is he said, well, now you're going to have to, when he went to court, he demanded that they present to him the virus, the isolated SARS-CoV-2 virus. And what happened is that they tried to cancel the court date. He said, no, I don't want to cancel the court date. And so he goes, he subpoenas the chief medical officer of health, Dina Henshaw, to produce this virus. And that's when they try to stop the court case. Then she subpoenas him and they come back and he goes back to court and get this, the attorney general is there and They admit that they have no evidence they don't have that virus. And furthermore, now in the petition against him is the Queen of England. Now, (laughs) for a little $1,200 fine. So, you know, the journey continues. But the point is, is that he got, actually has it on record that the Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dina Henshaw, has verified that there is no evidence of a SARS-CoV-2 virus. <laughs> so what are they going to do with that, I wonder? I mean, like, the house of cards is falling down, and I am absolutely delighted. So with that, um, Anetta, would you like to jump in?
5: I would. I think that's so fantastic. And it shows like with a little bit of fighting back how much we can do as individuals and also as groups, which I want to talk about uh, actually the the erosion of our rights and freedoms, which I believe is a, you know, I I think that we have a two-part agenda here. I think we have the slavery of humankind and the genocide. So, you know, the slavery of the ones that are left over from the genocide is really what we're looking at We've been talking about that from the beginning, but in the process there, we're going through a lot of things. So I want to tell you a story, a little, a little story I found, and I think it really points up to what we're all currently experiencing. So there's this uh, journalist in China, and his name's Li Hu, and he was no stranger to punishment, actually, um, for reporting corruption among government officials who was arrested. He was accused of fabricating and spreading rumors, and he was fined. But then one day in 2017, he suddenly found out he was unable to buy a plane ticket. The system rejected him, and he also found he couldn't purchase certain train tickets. Then he discovered that he was unable to acquire a loan from any bank or even forbidden from buying any property at all. Eventually, he discovered his name on a government list of dishonest persons subject to enforcement. That was the list. And there was no obvious way to appeal the designation or have his name removed from the list. He was uh, one of the early victims of Chinese social credit system, which blacklists citizens that are found to be untrustworthy at the sole discretion of the Chinese government. Others on the list have been prevented from renting certain apartments, holding down particular jobs. They've even had their bank accounts frozen. So uh, sometimes all it took to be blacklisted was an accusation from a disgruntled business partner or social media post critical of the government. It's almost like an official version of the Twitter mob's habit of canceling people for wrong think. Twitter mob may be easy enough for most of us to ignore, but it's now become more mainstream to purge U.S. residents that have bad social credit. For example, PayPal has announced an inquisition in partnership with the Anti-Defamation League to research funding for extremists on its payment platform. Um, See this sound familiar? It should, and it should be kind of scary. PayPal, and I'm going to call it the ADL, will focus further on uncovering and disrupting the financial pipelines that support extremists and hate movements. In addition to extremist and anti-government organizations, the initiative will focus on actors and networks spreading and profiting from all forms of hate and bigotry against any community. Now, who's determining this? That's what we should all be asking, because actually, uh, all of us on this show have been targets of it, and everyone I know that's been doing this has been targets of it. So uh, they're extremely vague about exactly what they consider extremist content, but we do have some idea. The New York Times, for example, considers the word freedom to be an anti-government slogan. Hmm. Can you imagine that? My great-grandfather in his grave at this point, according to a recent article. Hmm. Twitter considered it hate speech and banned a Spanish politician for tweeting, a man cannot get pregnant. I kid you not, and I wish I was. If you protest lockdowns, you are an extremist, putting lives in danger. If you burn down police stations and flip cars in the name of social justice in this country, a.k.a. BLM and Antifa, you're a mostly peaceful protester. PayPal is not going to keep this research to itself. It intends to be the tip of the social justice warrior's spear. The intelligence gathered through this research initiative will be shared broadly across the financial industry and with policymakers and law enforcement. That's a quote from PayPal. The big banks will also be able to use the same intelligence to blacklist extremists peddling, quote, hate speech again. And I'm sure you know you can extrapolate and figure out where that is going to. Just last month, Wells Fargo closed the accounts of two different conservative activists without explanation. In 2019, J.P. Morgan Chase did the same thing. And the CEO of alternative social media website Gab had four bank accounts in four weeks. beyond the company's account, or they, their company's accounts were closed, allegedly because the platform harbors extremist content. So we would qualify for that. Just on this show right here, all of this looks eerily like a backdoor for Chinese-style social credit system in the United States. And vaccine passports are an obvious example. In light of this week's events, including New York City's mayor comrade Bill de Blasio mandating vaccine passports across the city and New York State sexual harasser-in-chief and murderer Andrew Cuomo, strongly encouraged the same. Hmm, what pillars of, of society we have there. If certain people have their way, the unvaccinated will be unable to board an airplane and banned from restaurants. Some people even say the unvaccinated should lose their health insurance for making an unpopular personal health decision. I find that fascinating when you can drink yourself to death, do all kinds of drugs, take pharmaceuticals, smoke, do whatever. But if you are hesitant to drink the Kool-Aid in a syringe form, you're banned or they want to ban you, let's just say. During the pandemic, uh, governments across the world set up reporting systems to rat out your neighbors for having family over for the holidays. Bad citizen. Vermont's governor even asked students to snitch on their own parents who might have invited extended family over for Thanksgiving in 2020. This is sounding more and more like some other thing I remember from the 1930s. And now the US government's uh, leading the charge with the help of big tech companies, of course, providing new easy ways to report your radical friends and family to the government. What exactly constitutes radical? Anything they don't want you to do or believe. This is the problem when just a handful of powerfully centralized organizations and institutions control all of society. Yeah, so we've talked about that before and who's really running the show here. So I want you to go back in your mind and think back uh, where you were and what you were doing two years ago. That's August of 2019. My family was still speaking to me, that's changed. Now imagine if someone had come up to you two years ago and said, yeah, a few months from now, a novel patented coronavirus, it's novel and patented, amazing, will spread around the world and the virus will definitely be a problem and a lot of people will needlessly die due to the suppression of information and some other very nefarious reasons. Yet the government data will eventually reveal and show the virus to have a 98.3 survival rate overall and a survival rate of more than 99.8% for people under the age of 75 who are not morbidly obese. Despite the data, however, the virus will be treated as the worst thing in history by politicians, the media, and unelected public health officials. Speaking of unelected public health officials, right now we have a real crisis because the doctors are losing their medical license if they spread vaccine misinformation. So this came out. The federal state medical boards told doctors they could lose their medical license if they spread COVID-19 vaccine misinformation on social media. This news release says doctors must share information that is factual, scientifically ground, and consensus driven. I love that. Consensus driven for the betterment of public health. Consensus-driven. Since when did science become a popularity contest? I ask you. The entire idea is to present a hypothesis and gather data to prove or disprove that hypothesis. It's the preponderance of observed evidence. Conclusions should be driven by data, not by what's popular or convenient or conforms to the narrative, I should say. And current- well, people who spend their entire careers studying the human body are now being threatened with cancellation if they spread fact-based information that the establishment wants to keep suppressed. I bring this up because it kind of goes along with this little, this little story I'm trying to get you to imagine. So we're back to two years ago. They will, so they're going to wage a crusade to eradicate the world of this, quote, virus no matter what the cost, they will systematically dismantle the core pillars of modern society from private property rights to individual liberty. Some of the most advanced representative democracies in the world, like Australia, will literally deploy military to the streets in order to keep people locked in their homes, essentially at gunpoint. Well, it's no longer essentially at gunpoint, it's at gunpoint in Australia. And the lockdown is being enforced with the military and helicopters, And we've got all kinds of videos up there that show this, but basically they're doing everything they can, totally draconian measures. Here's one. Councilman Walt Secord says uh, the protest organizers should face $20,000 for sharing information about protests online. He proposed an $11,000 fine for anyone who shares information about protests and a $5,500 fine for anyone who had even said if you know it, family members who are organizing those protests, call the police, dob them in. So there's, you know, really there's no right to free speech, no right to protest, no right to even leave your home. Report your family members to the government if they demand basic human right. You can see there's no limit to how brutal and repressive the government will become in the name of COVID. Back to our story, governments will indebt themselves by tens of trillions of dollars going so far as to pay people to stay home and not work. Can you imagine this two years ago? Can you know what people would think about you if you were telling this story? Politicians will assume unlimited spending authority and use pandemic as excuse for every entitlement pet project they've ever imagined. It's amazing. Inflation around the world will surge as a result of this orgy of debt and money printing. But central bankers will dismiss the idea and pretend that everything is just fine. Actually, I have a really great video in my fast links, my item number one. I would strongly encourage anyone to look at that. It explains the whole debt situation in banking and how it relates to COVID very, very well. Under 10 minutes. Meanwhile, the scientific community will lose all objectivity. They claim, for example, that protesters against radical injustice or any other Soros-backed NGO are exempt from following the public health lockdowns because of their moral righteousness. Yet simultaneously, they will say that people protesting against public health lockdowns are a danger to society. Big tech will become the ultimate censorship nanny encroaching on literally every aspect of your life, including if you want to date someone. So this week, Apple deletes a dating app for the unvaxed, and it was called Unjected aimed to hook people up who have not been vaccinated against COVID-19. But Apple removed the the app from its store, saying it broke the company's rules by improperly using COVID-19 for marketing. Gee, you know what? That's funny because a lot of other dating apps like Tinder use COVID-19 for marketing by adding special badges and credentials for people who are vaccinated. Once again, only first class citizens are able to benefit. Second class citizens have to sit in the corner while we all have our freedoms taken away. Speaking of such, another little story here is COVID hypocrisy of uh, the mayor of Washington, DC. So she's gonna have a birthday party. So on Thursday, the 29th of July, she announces that there'll be a new mask mandate going into effect on Saturday, July 31st at 5 a.m. Meanwhile, Friday, she hosted a birthday bash for herself where guests partied maskless just hours before the mandate went into effect. Then Saturday after the mask mandate went into effect, Bowser officiated a wedding and broke her own mask rules along with hundreds of guests. The rules are for thee and not for me. You know, their hypocrisy knows no depth. So besides, you know, all of this going on, the initial clinical trial data will not exist In fact, they won't even be able to find the virus. Long-term studies, by definition, will not exist for a number of years, and mysterious ingredients will not be revealed, even though it's a consensual experimental vaccine, and we will suppress the mRNA animal studies that show all the animals die after being injected with mRNA vaccines after a matter of time. Despite these limitations, the world governments will push these vaccines on the global population. Some will make vaccines mandatory. Others will subjugate the unvaccinated population and take away their most basic freedoms until they submit. Remember, we're looking two years in advance, right? Personal choice will no longer be an option. Anyone who hesitates or dares ask a question will be ridiculed as a selfish murderer by social media and big tech companies will squash intellectual dissent. Even prize-winning, highly respected scientists will be censored for expressing views that don't conform to the official narrative. And then after nearly 18 months, just when you think the pandemic is over, a new variant will emerge. The public health officials go right back to the same policies all over again. They'll be looking for a variant on the same buggy boo that no one can locate, and they'll still be using those CPR tests for the case-demic numbers. At this point, the FDA admits that they are totally inaccurate. We always knew that, though. If someone had told you this two years ago, you might have thought they were completely delusional. My family still thinks that I am. (laughs) And yet, all of that and more has happened. Somehow, though, the truth has a way of surfacing in the most awkward of ways if you're trying to suppress it with a false narrative. And this week... One of the ways we're seeing that is certainly the court case coming out of Alberta, Canada. And then I have to give a really big nod to all of our brothers and sisters around the world by coming out in mass numbers and standing up to these draconian governments. None of this, of course, is being reported by the mainstream media. But uh, France had huge demonstrations this week to protest their health pass that they're trying to put in. Australia had uh, 15,000 people in Sydney at least. Of course, they always underrate those numbers. And another 7,500 in Britain. That's really interesting given that they're literally brutally knocking these people down and brutalizing them and fining them, enormous fines, and they're still coming out in mass. Germany, despite a government ban on protesting against COVID-19, had an uncalculable number of people that were demonstrating in Berlin last weekend to protest the lockdowns. Italy, Greece, Belgium, UK, uh, even in Lebanon, Iran, and Israel, they're all coming out. With that, I'd say we're on a positive roll. But just think about where we've, we've been and where we're coming to and all the things that have happened over the last two years. And we're at break. Tonight, our show is Forecasting Humanity, and our special guest is James DeMaio. I think we should have some music, Keith. We'll be right back.
6: No more lockdown. No more government overreach. No more fascist bullies. Disturbing our peace. No more taking of our freedom our God-given rights Pretending it's for our safety When it's really to enslave Who's running our country Who's running our world Examine it closely And watch it unfurl No more imperial college Santa's making up crooked facts No more lockdown No more pulling the wool over our eyes No more celebrities telling us Telling us what we're supposed to feel No more status quo Put your shoulder to the wing No more lockdown 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 No more more government overreach Police disturbing our peace, no more taking our freedom and our God given rights, pretending it's for our safety when it's really too enslave. Who's running our country? Who's running our world? Examine it closely And watch it unfurl No more lockdown No more threats No more imperial college scientists Making up crooked facts No more lockdown No more pulling the wound Over our eyes no more celebrities telling us how we're supposed to feel no more status quo gotta put your shoulder to the wheel no more lockdown
7: Here's the big word, law. It stands for land, air, water. When you are born and you come into this world, you're born on the land, not the water. That's what the bar operates in. That's their jurisdiction, the jurisdiction of the sea. Okay? Law stands for land, common law. A stands for air, eclistical law, canon law. And W stands for water, which is Admiralty Maritime law. That's what lawyers are trained in, which is contract law. It's the difference between legal and lawful is legal applies to that which is incorporated. Right? legal persons, which are fictions that are created when we're born. And that's what the birth certificate represents people, okay? It's very disturbing when you understand that truth. For the other side of the news, my name's Christopher James, and I just wanted to give my full support to these wonderful people who are bringing incredible light forward at this time and moment in our world truth has never been more important and I was incredibly blessed to be with them and share with them the enormous truth on our very first interview and I'm looking forward to coming back and seeing our world finally coming together under one hood under one understanding that there's truly only one of us and that there is only love that matters in this world and this one truth is going to save our world and I'm so blessed to be able to bring this forward and share this light with my fellow man and woman from this show this evening so support them all you can moving forward. They're an incredible bunch of people. and Godspeed.
2: And welcome back to The Other Side of the News. You've just been listening to Van Morrison, the song called No More Lockdown, in which he used that song to make a stand for freedom fighters all around the world by counseling his concerts. Tonight, our show is called Forecasting Humanity, and our really wonderful guest is Dr. James DeMayo. Co hosting with me are Annette Driscoll, Timothy Saunders, and myself, Kinthea. James has been on our show before. In fact, if you look in the fast links, you can zip around the page really quickly. And if you click on uh, James, you can see his items and his bio. And for his first item, I put a link to his previous show. I thought it was really powerful show. James DeMeo earned his Ph.D. in the field of geography with a specialization in earth and atmospheric science. He is the author and editor of nine books, and around 100 published research papers in science journals and popular media on environmental atmospheric issues, biophysical experiments, science history, cross-cultural studies, and health-related subjects. He's a former university professor, and today he's retired and doing his own private research and writing. His scientific works can be reviewed on ResearchGate.net, and he has a new book out. Welcome, James. Welcome to the other side of the news. So good to have you here.
4: Hi, Cynthia. Uh, Thank you very much for the invitation. And I must say, that was a a resounding introductory conversation that you had, uh, and uh, it was uh, something I hope you have a transcript of somewhere, because (laughs) it was very good. Great, I'm glad
2: you enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, we each try, we each contribute what we can, and it's a, it's a moving collage, weekly collage of, you know, I have to say we are all being, uh, how can I say, listeners all around are sending us links and information, and so our voices reflect not only our own personal views, but they reflect those of uh, our listeners, so yeah, I'm happy I- to to report that. James, you know, the last time you came on, you had written a really important paper, and now you've come out with a new book. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your book?
4: Sure. Um, You know, when this whole COVID uh, thing began, I don't know what to call it. I, I don't consider it to be a real disease pandemic. It's, as I have in my book title, it's a pandemic of ignorance, fear, hysteria, and Official truth lies, and uh, when I when it started out in early 2020, uh, I didn't know what to think because the facts were just emerging. But I would say by around uh, the middle of 2020, it was very clear that uh, the science behind uh, this COVID 19 disease and uh, behind the claims of a new SARS CoV 2 virus were not supported very well. There was big problems in the CDC's databases, big problems in what they were calling cases, which were determined by this very flawed PCR method of, uh, of testing. And uh, so I began gathering evidence on what I saw, and uh, in early 2021 I began writing it all up uh... In a in a couple of articles that appeared uh... one on this uh... website called green med info which is a very very good uh... source for alternative health information and uh... and i also published a longer paper in which was published at ResearchGate on their website i went directly to the people with my findings uh, to the public not to the scientific journals because I, what I found was the science journals they take years sometimes for peer review and sometimes if you have a controversial thesis that is well supported, they'll drag you on for a couple of years just so that it never comes out and so I know how that game is played And uh, but I got informal pre- peer review from other scientists and medical doctors that I know who have a sharp mind and were also skeptical of what was going on. And so this book, COVID-19, a Pandemic of Ignorance, Fear, Hysteria, and Official Truth Lies, was the ultimate product where I expanded upon the the other things which are still available on the Internet into this new book. And I must say that what I know now is quite shocking in terms of the absence of evidence for the major central points and claims of the CDC, the World Health Organization, the NIH, the FDA, and so on. They're just, I, I don't like to call people liars, but certainly at the top levels you've got some scheming, lying people, and at the lower levels of their hierarchy there must be truthful people because occasionally something will leak out. That undermines their whole arguments, and uh, and then you never hear about it again because it's covered up from there by the mainstream media. And I would I would like to because I'm old enough to remember. Maybe you are too, Cynthia. That years ago it was illegal for pharmaceutical companies to advertise their drugs on television. Do you mm. remember that? Yeah. And this was the case for many many years until the pharmaceutical industry lobbied long and hard with the different political parties and had that ban reversed. And since then, there has been a destruction of information on the public health and safety of drugs and uh, and a, a corrosion of the individual physicians' capacity and rights to determine what kind of medicines they feel is best for their patients. So the, you know, it's funny. You hear these ads and uh, they'll say, use this drug, blah, 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 blah. And then they spend uh, the rest of the two and a half or three minutes of the advertisement listing all the side effects. <laughs> <laughs> and like... it's like, well, they're showing healthy people dancing in an open meadow, you know. Right. And it's, it's sheer propaganda and has not helped the public health in the least bit. So I, I put COVID-19 into the same category. It's a ginned-up pandemic. Which, if you look at the look at the actual chronology, I mean, going way back into the early and mid 2000s, uh, 2006, 2007, and thereabouts. Uh, The CDC and the World Health Organization were busy scribbling in in their websites to remove the old epidemiology. So, for example, they changed the definition of a pandemic to exclude the prior definition where it said there had to be a large number of deaths. And I actually I, quote, I can quote that from my book because uh, it's something that I I, uh, I put in the first chapter. Uh, the original World Health Organization uh, definition of pandemic, going back to February 2003, it said an influenza pandemic occurs when a new influenza virus appears against which human population has no immunity, resulting in several simultaneous epidemics worldwide with enormous numbers of deaths and illness. Now, what they did a few years later was to change that such that, in, actually in in 2009, that the phrase enormous numbers of deaths and illness, that was erased. Let's so you know they Lincoln, were thinking of it then. To yes, they were thinking of Putting this plan it in place. And, uh, you know, this was at a time when swine flu was popular, or I shouldn't say popular, was, was being claimed. Virus H1N1 influenza A variant, they called it, swine flu for short. And this was something detected by the PCR method, which is, was inaccurate back then. It's inaccurate today. But in the, in the 1976 outbreak, before PCR and all that, uh, they came up with a rushed vaccine, very much like this warp speed thing that came to rush in these COVID vaccines. That vaccine program was halted after only 54 people had have died, have died from it with uh, symptoms of Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a respiratory distress uh, and paralysis of uh, symptoms. Now, today, by contrast with COVID-19, we have 11,900 deaths as by the end of July alone. 11,900 deaths that we know of. That's just using the reported VARES data, the vaccine uh, tracking website that's hosted by the CDC. And that means we're going to have maybe 20,000 or more deaths from the vaccines directly. By by the end of this year. So 54 people caused the ending of a vaccine program in 1976, when apparently they had some decent people in their, uh in the CDC or in the government bureaucracy. And today, eleven thousand nine hundred is not even enough for them to call a, an advisory council and an emergency meeting to consider what the hell is going on. And that's beyond the several hundred thousands of people with severe adverse events resulting from these vaccines. That means anything from getting a sore arm and a common cold from it to uh, falling down with total paralysis that is permanent. But you live, you see.
2: Criminal. It's criminal. It's even worse than death. It is absolutely criminal.
4: Well, let me go on this history a little bit farther. In October 2020... Uh, the World Health Organization declared about herd immunity. They said herd immunity is the indirect protection of an infectious disease that happens when a population is immune, either through vaccination or immunity developed through previous infection. That was October 2020. That was the last report of the WHO with that particular definition of herd immunity. Now, what they did is in December, they changed it to the following. Herd immunity, also known as population immunity, is a concept used for vaccination in which a population can be protected from a certain virus if a threshold of vaccination is reached. Herd immunity is achieved by protecting people from a virus, not by exposing them to it. Now, that quote is pure junk science. It is lying. They they just pulled it out of their ass, and they posted it up on all their websites, and apparently large numbers of the medical profession and the other federal uh, and state bureaucracies and government bureaucracies around the world just saluted it and swallowed it. And why? Because this way... You need vaccinations in order to get, obtain herd immunity, no longer through previous infection, no longer through ordinary uh, immunological uh, vectors as has been accepted in medicine for hundreds of years. So this is, this is part of my outrage when I started reading these things, and uh, it just, it's just it left me aghast. And even sure. just quoting from it, it I'm i thought almost speechless. And then you have these other things happening, these um, big uh, meetings of uh, of the Rockefeller Foundation, of the uh, World Economic Forum, and the COVID nineteen Great Reset of Klaus Schwab. They were all. These were all taking place in late. 20, uh, excuse me, late 2019 and they were modeling how to respond to a qu- supposed hypothetical situation of a major coronavirus outbreak. And in every one of these cases of uh, the CDC's meetings and the World Economic Forum meetings, the Bill and Linda Gates meetings, the Rockefeller Foundation meetings, they were all Concluding that the only way that you could control such a pandemic would be to heavily vaccinate the population and lock it down. Now that's before the Chinese Wuhan Virology Institute um, was was making public uh, small things about a COVID-19 outbreak in in uh, Wuhan. China. But how did the Chinese handle it? They locked down heavily. Mm. And then you had the World Health Organization under this Gibriatsu guy. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. He's an old Eritrean communist. He was the health director for the Eritrean Communist Party, which was a brutal, butcherous regime. So whatever he was doing, uh, was not to the benefit of the health of the Eritrean people. But somehow now he's the head of the World Health Organization. And, of course, he's a sycophant of President Xi of China. And, uh, of course, we know that Anthony Fauci uh, was funding the Wuhan Virology Institute to uh, for this gain-of-function research. What does gain-of-function mean? That's an Orwellian term. It means how to make a... Uh, easily transmissible virus more toxic than it already is or more infectious than it already is. So this is like Dr. Strangelo of Dr. Mengele type of research that these guys were doing. Dr. Fauci was a part of it. I and hate. the whole of the CDC was a part of it. This is what's so outrageous. And they p- have the pretense to go into public and tell people what to do. To they have do no patients. conscience.
5: Absolutely. So I want to step in here. This is Annette. Hey, I I actually, I've been dying to say, that, um, to say some of these things. So I have an older dictionary and actually uh, I have a bunch of older dictionaries. I'm one of those. And uh, the pandemic def- definition actually at one point uh, was, and it was actually fairly recently, I had to have to look and see which year this was, but it said it had to have a death toll of between 10 and 15 per uh, 10 and 20 percent on average, 15 percent worldwide population death. Uh, wow. That's worldwide. And that that was what constituted a pandemic. So when they made this really weak, flimsy definition, then anything could work. If you read the definition they now have, which these are unelected, uninvited people that infringe on every sovereign nation's sovereignty, they you know, who, who's bringing these people in? Did any of us voted in, vote them in? No, not a single one of us, right?
4: No. No. So,
5: yeah, and then about the VAERS, um, I don't know this, this if you've heard this, but in the last, like, I think it's been a week or two, uh, it has come out very clearly that there are uh, 11 other agencies besides VAERS that are collecting data on the death and that one of those sites had 45,000 deaths on it, and theirs is, is reporting 1% to 5%. Uh, and so most people looking at this are looking at between four hundred and 500,000 people died directly from the vaccines. And Thomas well, Rent of Ohio yeah. is taking that case to court right now. Yeah. So, you know.
4: Yeah. I, 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 uh, I don't know what to say except that they're they're so untrustworthy, and it's like, uh, what are you supposed to rely upon? It's, it's you can't rely upon the CDC, you can't rely on the World Health Organization or the FDA or the National Institute of Health. They're all in on the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies and their vaccine programs. Well, and I, another, you know what?
5: I'm going to rely on my seventh grade biology teacher, Mrs. Lomax, who told there you me. Go. <laughs> Who <laughs> told me, go. you know, how we got immunity, right? How our immune systems work. And I have to say, too, the other thing is just think about it, people. When, you know, when did immunizations come come into play? Only about 100 years ago. Before that, how did humans possibly survive on the planet? Oh, my gosh, you know. Uh, and, and if you look at the history of, of uh, vaccines and stuff, it's a very nasty history. And there actually is no evidence that any of these, including the polio vaccine, which people always point to, uh, was actually effective. So, you know, if you look at the scientific side of that, it's, it's very sketchy at best, and then from my studies it doesn't add up.
4: So Yeah, I've, I've seen some of the data on, uh, on the poliovirus uh, vaccines that they, they introduced them very late. You know, as the natural immunity curve goes, you wind up with a, a large number of people increasingly getting something, and then it begins to trail off, it's like a, a bell curve of sorts well yeah right they they yeah, used to the, they introduced the vaccines late in the bottom half of the of the bell that's curve that's right that's so right cuz claiming... they, they they're always pointing to the measles or how the
5: measles they they you know they got rid of the measles in 1963 well if you look at the bell curve of measles it was already almost gone by the time they introduced the vaccine Right? Yes, course. Course. And also, uh, d- kids.
0: don't forget, what? that there's James, there's also the fact that the DDT was uh, suddenly decided it was not actually as healthy as everybody thought it was, and I believe that was also a factor in the reduction of polio. As
4: Absolutely. The- yes, there so was d- a controversy between the living versus the dead virus uh, in addition to everything else. Because some people were getting the uh, the the polio from the living living virus inoculations. So, but at any rate, even if we just focus on COVID-19, there's enough evidence that there should be, uh, well, there should be some kind of a uh, interrogatory with uh, with the the people who are pushing this on the public and maybe someday there will be justice found. But right now I don't see much hope of that because we have an administration in power that is totally on the bandwagon with anything and everything that the vaccine companies want to do. And that means lockdowns and antisocial masking and distancing are all going to come back in one or another form unless people stand up to it. And uh, even Ron Paul, the uh, the senator in the U.S. Senate, said the very same thing. I think it was yesterday. I was amazed. He said, we need civil disobedience, or these people are going to take away every freedom that we have. So that seems to—this is going to be—and I think the younger generation are feeling this— Uh, are are looking through the lies on this, and they're going to be the ones like we uh, older ones were during the Vietnam War era, perhaps. Uh, They're going to be out there in the street protesting this, taking away of all of their liberties through bogus uh, junk science. There's no other way to put it. Uh, Except I think we should spend some time detailing what that bogus junk science is rather than just referring to it. Uh, if I could, if I could make uh, some comments that are just a list that I put on the back cover of my book because it's rather concise. Uh, COVID-19 deaths are 81% confined to elderly people over 65, nearing the end of life, each of whom has an average of four pre-existing deadly comorbidities. Now those figures come directly from the CDC's public. Reports which I uh, accessed and and uh, cited in my book. So, um, and if you look at the the um, those numbers of people who died uh, using their own figures, this assuming for a moment that they were correct about COVID nineteen causing all those deaths, uh, which is something like three hundred to four hundred thousand people by the end of 2020. If you compare the excess mortality due to claimed COVID-19 uh, without any pre-existing deadly comorbidities, you have a number that's only 5,000 to 18,000 deaths for the whole year. So just, just looking at the, the distribution of people dying from different diseases from all causes and you compare that to the smaller number of people who died from claimed COVID-19, the distributions in the different age groups are nearly identical. And when you do a, when you do a normalization of those data and look at what the differences actually mean, it computes out to only 5,000 to 18,000. James,
2: 000. we need to hold it there. We're at break time. You're listening to the other side of the news, and our guest is Dr. James DeMail.
3: This is Dr. Judy Mikevitz, and I've really enjoyed being on the other side of the news radio show tonight with with Kinthia, Tim, and Anenta as well. It was really a great experience for me, and I think things like the other side of the news because we don't hear these things. I saw this horrific commercial on TV. And I know them to have perpetrated fraud in Vaccine court. so important for radio shows like this to have discussion. And I really think these types of radio shows reach a very large audience and people are listening. Has changed everything. I just really think it's important for people to be able to hear in depth and hear the kinds of discussion worldwide so that we can compare experience and really wake up and heal.
5: good evening and welcome back to the other side of the news tonight's guest is uh, James Demayo and we were actually right in the middle of your list when we had to break off so why don't we continue there James
4: okay well there's uh, two major points I, I I would like to make that's on this list because there's too many to really cover in this uh, in this interview uh, but the one of the main things is that the PCR and antigen testing methods are wildly inaccurate. They they do not indicate any whole living virus. They cross-react with just about any coronavirus that, that exists in the person's body. They cross-react with fragments of the DNA or RNA that is when the, when the cell is broken down by your immune system. From a prior exposure, so the PCR uh, it it will react to things that are not indicative of uh, of an infectious living virus. And if you look at the look at the way it functions, PCR a polymerase uh, chain reaction, you're talking about taking a molecule of of a single molecule of a DNA or an RNA fragment. And then you multiply it by two, and then you multiply it by two again. Through these heating and cooling cycles, uh, the stuff is is doubled over many, many different cycles, as they call it. And after you, you probably have done the game where uh, I'll give you ten thousand dollars if you give me one penny uh, for each day over the next thirty days, doubling it each time. Right. So by the time you double one penny over the 30 days of time, you go from one penny to two to four to eight to, to 16 to 32 and so on. By the time you get to the 30th the day, you've got about a billion pennies. And that's what they do with the PCR test. They magnify the numbers of molecules to a point where they can actually look at them and do some kind of research with them. It was invented by Kerry Mullis of... Ph.D. scientist at the University of California uh, back in the 70s. He got a Nobel Prize for it. But then he was quickly excommunicated from the scientific world because he objected to the use of the PCR method for AIDS testing. He says this thing is inaccurate. It would cross-react with every other kind of biological molecule in a person's blood or sputum or whatever and give you all kinds of false positives. So uh, that's what we have now. And if, if you think about it by just rational causality, if you have such a tiny amount of virus in your system that requires you to multiply it by a billion times before you can even tell it's there and work with it, then the, in the original small amount it's not gonna have any biochemical significance. It's not gonna affect anything in your body. And in fact, this also implies that it is not replicating and therefore is not a living thing. It's just a chunk of a virus, particle, part of a virus, a cell membrane wall, part of the nucleus. It isn't something that is living or replicating and therefore it is not infectious. And once you realize that, the high number the high percentage of asymptomatic PCR identified cases makes sense that you you get the PCR test they say oh you've got this covid-19 thing in your body but you're asymptomatic and uh, what does that mean? You don't have symptoms. uh, The PCR test or the uh, antigen test really doesn't tell you anything real about whether it's a living entity or it's infectious, but by implication, the PCR necessity tells us that it's non-infectious because you're not getting sick from it yourself, and it doesn't have biochemical significance in the unmagnified original condition. So, once you realize that you look at the graph of the cases uh identified by PCR and we have that in a graphic that's um posted to your website it's uh the number 2 graphic um on the li- excuse me the number 3 graphic on the list on your website for this talk you see a graphic from our uh, our World in Data website, which is one of the best data websites for reporting on these things, and you see this curve of the code of the PCR antigen confirmed cases going up and up and up over 2020. It goes from something like around a uh, thousand uh, cases per day all the way up to a quarter of a million cases per day and it stays up there through much of uh, December, and then it starts crashing downwards in early 2021. Meanwhile, the number of PCR-confirmed deaths is a tiny little squiggly line at the bottom of that graph, which remains relatively stable and static throughout the whole time. So you've got one graph that's soaring upwards, another uh, graph line soaring upwards, another graph line that's flat. Now, just from ordinary scientific method logic, those two factors are not correlated, and therefore there's no causality from one to the other. It it may indicate some third underlying principle that's involved, but by itself, it tells you that these two things are not the same. And th- this it's mind blowing to me what how the uh, CDC and the uh, John Hopkins and some of these other websites have screwed with these data in order to make it appear as if they are correlated. And the way they do it, it's articulated in a little book from the 1950s titled How to Lie with Statistics by Daryl Huff. He warns people how government or news media can display statistics to deceive you. And one way they do that is use of the logarithmic display. Now, a normal arithmetic display is what I show on, on, your, uh, on your website, and it's published in my book. It shows the soaring numbers of the COVID cases up to 250,000 a day or more, and the flat line of deaths, which at maximum is around 4,000 deaths per day. And that's all from PCR identifications. Uh, so we know there's a big problem with that all by itself. But if we just assume that they're correct, which I don't think they are, but we can assume they're correct, even within the paradigm of the existing COVID-19 pandemic, the numbers don't add up. Now, the way that CDC and John Hopkins do is they display this logarithmic curve, which suppresses big numbers and amplifies small numbers. So by doing that, they can come up with a curve where the PCR antigen cases Look similar to the PCR antigen deaths. And so, James,
0: this is this is like Al Gore's uh, gl- uh, what is it? Global warming graph where you got it. The curve went it. straight off the screen. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. Uh, I, ha- I have to laugh, James, about that book. <laughs> that was yeah, a book my dad, with that,
4: statistics.
5: Right, my dad had me read that book when I was, I think, in about middle school. So Wonderful. it's a real book. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Wonderful. James, may I
0: ask ask you a question before we move on too far? I recently had a conversation with a doctor that I know for a number of years, and he is working in Northern Europe, shall I say. Uh, When I had a very similar conversation uh, outlining the points as we're having now, he was under the opinion that there is absolutely a very specific key signature signature was the term he used, which is which defines the COVID19 uh, virus. and when people go through this sort of PCR um, sort of process, their result is compared with this signature. and if they uh, come up and they match then hey you're a positive. So I was quite surprised to hear this as an answer because it's the first time I've heard it anywhere. Uh, but he seemed yeah. fairly confident that's what was going on. Now, uh, do you have any thoughts about that?
4: Yeah, first of all, he's bullshitting you. What, is it, what does he mean? Did he describe it? you got to pin him down. Give Give me the data, exactly what you mean by this signature.
0: Uh, well, I me, said I said where where is the signature? How is it stored? is it is it a computer signature? is it is it sort of a little uh, is it so, you know a sample in a tube somewhere? I mean ha, I, said, I, I mean I'm just asking wild questions to him and uh, he well, came I've back never and said this
4: before
0: oh, me neither me neither
4: yeah so I, I, uh, I mean there's all kinds of objections that the standard conventional medical people come up with to justify what's going on and they're really look i'm an atmospheric scientist i'm an earth scientist i deal with big data sets all the time and i know how to spot a correlation when when you get tiny when you get things that are so tiny and they're close together then you gotta run a statistical measure to to come out with a probability coefficient and will tell you something about it but these these graphs are so Completely different. You don't have to do that. You just look at them, and you, it's easy to see there's no correlation involved. Um, so, yeah, the piece, of this business of using logarithmic graphs can be very deceiving, and that's what they're doing. So, well, what is also an- a, another factor here that uh, I don't have a graph to show you, but it is in my book, and that is if you look at a graph of the number of PCR antigen tests. The number of tests that are being made, it matches almost exactly the graph of the confirmed cases, except it's much larger. Instead of peaking out around a quarter million a day for cases, it peaks out around 1.8 million tests per day. So you've got uh, the tests and the cases are strongly correlated. So the more testing that you do, the more cases you find. But very few deaths are being found among this same population. And this tells me what's going on there. They're asymptomatic people that they're picking up. If, if you, we assume the PCR antigen tests have some validity, then they must be picking up asymptomatic people in large percentages. And that means those people are immune. They've already reached herd immunity. And that's why I say around October of 2020, the nation reached herd immunity, maybe other parts of the world as well. Uh, so we don't need vaccines. All you need is your, your antibodies from having been exposed to it and not getting sick. Uh, or if you do get sick, I mean, there's all kinds of out of patent, very effective medicines such as hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, mm-hmm. vi- high dose vitamin C and D, zinc supplements. I, there's been all kinds of doctors pioneering these treatments, which,
0: it, which basically takes away the emergency measures. It's another, it's another foundation for the emergency measures. If there are other medicines which are available, even natural medicines, then it is not necessary to mass vaccinate according to the, right. the, the emergency measures. So this is another whole flaw in the plan where the media is just mopping up, covering up, mopping up the reality. The problem is that there are so many people that believe this. And even this, this doctor, I would say he is somebody who is, as, as a personality, uh, somebody I know, he is a very trust, trustworthy, honest and genuine person. But the problem is he believes what he believes. And as a result, he is obviously part of the machine.
4: Well, this is where, uh, look, I remember when I was a grad student, there was a, a, a gold star panel of the American Association for the Advancement of Science, which did a study on how accurate and good the medical journals were at scientific methods. And they came out with a condemning report saying that very few of the science jur- of the medical journals, such as New England Journal of Medicine Journal of the american med Association, Lancet, et etc., et etc., all the top ones that they were filled with all kinds of of junk science, confusion of correlation with causality, uh, failure to do simple statistical tests on on data sets where they could do so. Um, and just uh, confusing uh, all kinds of things that uh, a physical scientist would never get away with. I mean, part of why I spotted this stuff is because I've worked with data sets on large uh, on precipitation data and cloud cover data. Where if I if I ever presented a, a graphic like this, claiming correlations and they didn't exist, really, uh, I, I would be laughed out of out of the courtroom or whatever.
0: Well, James, so, another, another, element
4: of this,
7: with
0: another element of this issue is that not only are these, as you say, junk papers or junk reports, but also they are designed in many cases to give enough data in order for people to concoct a report that can allow a medicine to actually go into circulation. So yes, it, it, it's 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 a preconceived. Yes, yeah.
4: So, yeah. Um, let me continue here. The graph sure. number four, my COVID figure number five, but it's it's actually number four on the thing on the listing. Uh, what I did, and I didn't, I found only one other uh, researcher doing this. This is Ivor Cummins. I'm sure you're familiar with his uh, videos and such. He's very, very adept. Uh, but we both observed that there is a seasonality to COVID-19. And it is deceptively displayed, the data graphs are deceptively displayed uh, by CDC where they claim there is no seasonality, because if it's seasonal, then it begins more and more to resemble normal influenza or a big uh, amount of influenza. So what you look at when you see the whole world average together, you see no seasonality but any any uh, high school graduate will tell you that the northern hemisphere has different seasons than the southern hemisphere, right? our Our winter time is their summer, and their summer is our winter. So when you plot out the the northern and the southern hemispheres separately, what you see is that in all cases, the covid nineteen deaths are isolated. Uh, Overwhelmingly during the winter winter time, and yet you can go to the CDC websites, you go to John Hopkins, you go to the medical literature, and they all will tell you there is no seasonality to COVID-19. It's an equal opportunity virus, as they say, uh, but that's not true. It in summertime it quiets down because, and this is where the next graphic I have, because it's being confused with influenza or influenza-like. Uh, breathing difficulties, pulmonary difficulties, uh, things like ordinary SARS, which means sudden acute respiratory—excuse uh, oh, me, not sudden, severe acute respiratory distress or si- syndrome, severe uh, respiratory distress syndrome—and people die from SARS, and SARS has been around a lot longer than COVID. Okay. COVID virus, and specifically SARS-CoV-2, is just a, a, an add-on to the original SARS, which is a deadly syndrome. It, it comes out as influenza-like, so influenza can kill people, SARS can kill people. And this figure that I show comes direct from the CDC, from their FluView website, and it shows the percentage of influenza-like treatments in hospitals over the 2021 winter season compared to prior winter seasons going back to 2009 and what you see on that graphic is this dot uh, a series of red triangles way at the bottom that's the 2020 uh, 2020 and 2021 winter season there is very little influenza whereas in all the prior years there's lots of influenza so that and other reasons that I give in my book, they're redefining influenza into the COVID category to boost the numbers up. And meanwhile, influenza has vanished from the map.
0: And so that's absolutely it. It's, it's totally vanished. So yeah, what, what, what do you perceive will happen in this coming fall or winter in the Northern Hemisphere? What, what do you predict? Well, know?
4: we're going to get more influenza. We're going to get more uh, uh, elderly people suffering from pulmonary uh, disorders as they do every year. Uh, you're going to, Especially obese people are at higher risk. Uh, people with resp- existing diseases of the lungs, such as emphysema or, uh, or uh, different kinds of things, pneumonia and influenza, are going to start coming back up under the cold, wet conditions. And they're going to be opportunistically redefining a large percentage of those as COVID-19 as an excuse to lock us all down again. That's what Um, I predict.
0: Yeah, I I don't want it to happen, but I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. I think it's an easy bet to make. James, there is one headline which I'd like to draw your attention to. I'm I'm sure you've seen it. It's it's in our links this evening. It is, uh, FDA accidentally displays list of COVID vaccine side effects, including death, Myocarditis and autoimmune disease, and this go this article, which I believe is 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 correct. I believe it's it's properly reported, but you know who knows in this day and age. It goes on to say the full list of possible side effects from uh, vaccine is uh, Guillain-Barré syndrome, acute uh, disseminated uh, encephalitis. I, I can go into the every single line, um, transverse, myelitis, you can hear I'm not uh-huh. medically trained, encephalitis, uh, then we're gonna go through convulsion, okay. seizure, stroke, narcolepsy, anaphylaxis, acute myocardial infarction. Uh, we're only halfway down the list so far. Uh, yeah. Myocarditis. There's a,
4: clever, there's a clever twist to what they did on this reporting. This is a recent mm-hmm. article you're talking about, right?
0: Yes, yeah.
4: Okay. If you go back to 2020, in the middle of the, of the year, they published um, a list, a similar list. I have it in my book on page 32. Yes. And uh, it's a list. It starts out with influenza, pneumonia, chronic lower respiratory disease, adult respiratory disease syndrome, respiratory failure, respiratory arrest. These are listed not as symptoms of COVID. They are listed as comorbidities. Hmm. So what they did, apparently, from what you're telling me, is they changed these as pre-existing comorbidities that exacerbate, uh, by their claim, COVID-19, to things that are caused by COVID-19. So what they're doing now is doing a, a real trick, bookkeeping trick, a big lie, much as they did back in the AIDS years. If you remember hiv had a list of 62 diseases that were indicators for HIV infection. 62 different diseases. And they, diff- they differed for different countries, but they were basically a list of the major things that people died from. Like, for, for example, uh, leprosy, malaria, uh, lupus, Different kinds of things that would affect Africans, and then for Europe they had a list of uh, of additional ones of diseases that affected Europeans and North and South Americans, and so on. Uh, And now, if you tested PCR negative and you had one of those diseases, well, then you had the ordinary disease. And they, you know, but if you tested positive on the PCR for HIV or claimed so, then you had AIDS. And the significance of this was that in the hospital settings, the medicines that they gave you were entirely different. So you could have malaria from a trip to Africa and uh, go to a hospital in Europe, and they may not give you malaria medications, or they might, it depends on the doctor. But they would, if you tested positive for HIV from the cross reactivity of it, then they would give you antivirals. They would give you maybe azothymidine, which is AZT, this horrible, poisonous medicine that nobody took it for more than two years without uh, almost 90% of the people dying. Mm, it's, uh, of, so the differences I've, I've, in how you are treated is part of the reason why you got a lot of people dying when they claim COVID-19 as opposed to an ordinary
0: Comorbidity. I would take a wild stab in the dark, as well as that, if if you're tested positive with HIV, then the funding would also change in the hospital environment.
4: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, there's uh, for for AIDS and uh, HIV and PCR on that. Uh, there's many books written, and one of the best was Peter Duisburg's Dr. Peter Duisberg's book, Inventing the AIDS Virus because he felt the whole thing was a, a concoction. And he was right. His, his writings are more accurate. They banned him from publication in the major health journals because his arguments were so cogent and nobody could respond to him. And we have the same thing now with COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2. There is no exact PC, uh, I- virus isolation by which an accurate PCR test could be in uh, developed
0: James and we, we and need that. to go to break and if we could just uh, come back to this point afterwards be wonderful you're yes. we listening to the other side of the news and our special guest is Dr. James DeMayo.
1: hi this is dr. Andrew Kaufman natural healing consultant welcome to the other side of the news where they're open to hearing the truth and take it seriously. The first thing you got to look at is the methods, like nothing else matters because that's where they describe the experiment so then you can decide if what you can conclude from the experiment. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And that that's really really important because you know, they make false claims and people don't understand how to use statistics and all these things could be misleading. What I notice that they do now is they put the methods section at the very end. And in some papers, it's in a separate document that's like an addendum. So in other words, they just present the, the results and conclusions and an introduction section and nobody looks at the methods. But that's the most important thing because if you don't know that, you don't actually know what they did. Because, you know, there's a lot of art to experimental design and uh, you know some people can be very clever about it some can be very elegant about it but there's also like a many ways that things could be fudged and there's books on this right like one of Bill Gates favorite books how to lie with statistics Then you know you have the John Ioannidis article which is one of the most highly cited papers where he says more than half of all published research is false Right. So, mm. but, but how many scientists, when they go to read a paper, say there's a 50% chance that this article is false. So, I better read it really carefully. Right. They don't do that. But all this clinical research, it's really just, it's really marketing. Yes. It, that's, that's what it is. It's not actual research. With this the vaccine trials, you know, it, it's just, they basically designed it exactly perfectly to show what they could say you know that bogus 95 percent effectiveness uh, that's the the relative risk reduction of having a test and it's not even the overall risk reduction would be like 0.4 percent but they describe it that way it's a statistical trick where they could say 95 percent and they also to find the outcome and then they had to wait seven days after the vaccine but all the people who got sick within that seven days didn't count you know all Hmm. kinds of uh, tricks they're 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 experts (laughs) at this they know they know what they're doing and and it's really hard to even figure out what they're doing
5: welcome back to the other side of the news and tonight, our guest is James DeMayo, and our show tonight is called Forecasting Humanity. And we were we were at a place where where you were finishing up the idea around uh, how they how they twist that around uh, their their statistics and reclassify things. So, did you want to finish up with that idea, James?
4: Yeah, uh, what I was referencing uh, was. Uh the Cormundrazen report, which is an important study because it was the first claim made to have developed a a genetic sequence for SARS-CoV-2 by which a PCR test could use as a template for making its detection in other people. And uh, in actuality, they have no such... Uh, direct evidence of SARS-CoV-2. Uh, in fact, they were saying um, that the, the amount of, uh, of research they were doing, they didn't have access to the virus. They didn't have any SARS-CoV-2, and they just created the, the viral sequences out of what they suspected would be present and that is what was used for creating these PCR tests no virus no no accuracy just a generalized uh, theoretical stab at the uh, at the problem
5: and when I, when i explain this to people i've used this analogy before just to put it out there but uh, i uh, i've heard that it's so little such such a little part of the gene sequences it's kind of akin to uh, taking a white hair and a black hair and holding up and going, yes, and this is a zebra. I mean, it's about that far off, uh, statistically. Am I correct? That's what I've heard from other people.
4: Well, you could take the hairs uh, from, a bar- the, from a barber shop on the floor and claim that you were identifying not one specific person, you know? I mean, it's... Uh, and that would be after a whole month's worth of hair gathering, so it's... Mm-hmm right uh, it's, it's it's really bad stuff and uh, the claims are way beyond what their evidence shows and I was really happy to hear uh, uh, who was it that was speaking on the on, during the break.
5: Oh, that was uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman.
4: Yeah dr. Kaufman he uh, he hit the nail on the head on on many of those points. so.
5: I wanted to go back to something before. I, t- I mean, there's so many things I could get into here. Uh, but, uh, you know, we were, I, you know, Timothy had referenced this uh, report about these uh, symptoms or these types of, of what COVID was. But what I saw was this report that was accidentally leaked out, sort of. Uh, it was a PowerPoint presentation. It was literally a split second. And I went in, it was it was presented the F- the FDA was presenting stuff on the vaccine. So this is about the effect of the vaccines. Uh, it was October 22nd, 2020. If my memory serves me correctly, I'd have to go back and look, but uh, they have all of these things listed and it's on a, it's on a slide and they actually slowed the thing way down and cat and screenshotted it and captured it. Cause the guy, it came up and it was like, Oh, and he, you know, it just like disappeared. Right. But it was there and it, lists all these things that we were talking about all the various things that uh, timothy was listing so they were a absolutely aware of i don't i've never believed that it, this virus was all that it was either a great disappointment or it was it was never really meant to be all that wonderful maybe their gain of function didn't go that well i'm not sure I've always believed that it was to get everyone vaccinated, which is a gigantic eugenics, because they absolutely knew how deadly and dangerous these lethal injections are. And uh, they've lied about it. And also the FDA has, you know, I was about a week or two ago, uh, said that the um, PCR tests are, are completely bogus and they're worthless. And yet they've known that the whole time also. So what do you, you know, what's your, do you, do you cover that in the book or are you, no, is that or is that beyond the scope of the book, the sense of the vaccine? Well, I life? mean,
4: in in various parts, yes. On uh, specifically on that particular report that you're mentioning with the slideshow, uh, mm-hmm. I've not seen that, but it sounds uh, certainly comparable or or uh, compatible with everything else that's in my book uh, that, of the kind of deceptions that are going on. I mean, this Coleman report, which. There's a, a, a contrary uh, criticism of it that has hardly got any any uh, any publicity. The the Drosden report itself was uh, spread widely around the world by mainstream media, and uh, all the doctors kind of uh, had a party about it. Uh, but it's it, right in the in the introduction. It says, "Virus isolates are not." available. Mm-hmm. So the the Sars-CoV-2 virus material did not have to be present in the tested subjects for their method to work. But they don't tell you how it works other than to to avoid that step. And it doesn't. And this is the prob- problem why uh, PCR is, is reacting to uh, viral bits and showing so many asymptomatic people, even though they're claiming they're infected with living virus. When you read in the newspapers or whatever or journals or hear it on TV where they say uh, 500 new infections were detected, what they're talking about is cases, and yeah. they presume that they're infectious, they have no evidence of that. They're asymptomatic mostly. Right, it's a case
5: it's a case demic. We've you know, it's a case demic. Exactly. Right.
4: Exactly.
5: So Yeah, and I mean no one uh, no one there's no virus on the planet that I'm aware of ever that is contagious when someone's asymptomatic, because that's not how that works. Even if viruses and that's a real question there too, but let's just presume for this discussion that they actually are a real thing and blah blah blah. Uh so if we have some, we have to have a certain concentration in order to be able to spread it to someone else. I mean, and the other sure. thing that really calls that into question is, is repeatedly throughout all kinds of things, including the, uh, the, the uh, pandemic of the 1918, is it 1918 flu, uh, you know, they actually took uh, mucus from people and injected it in, into healthy people. And it required that someone had to be toxic or unhealthy in order for it to take hold. So the idea that somebody could just go walking down the street and give this to you, that's insane. What? and mean, they've proven this over and over and over again. And yet, it's, it's like, did everyone flunk seventh grade biology class?
4: You know, what happened here? Yeah, there's, there's uh, some shenanigans with that uh, in that... Um most of the people who died uh, during that pandemic were the military veterans returning home or their family members, and it also comes out that they had a, a rushed virus inject or viral pro uh, an a vaccine program mm-hmm. for that pandemic, and uh, it was primarily and firstly given to uh, returning soldiers and their families.
5: Well, it sounds you know, like that was a practice run for what we're currently experiencing.
4: Well, I don't know. If, that was a bit beyond in terms of dates, but uh, they certainly didn't learn anything from it. Nobody dared question the vaccine theory ex- of, that, uh, of that pandemic, except for a very small number of physicians. And, uh, you know, the doctors, they hang together. If one of them screws up or kills a lot of people, they, they cover up for them. And that's the way it is. It's a good old boys club. Now with some good old girls in it too
5: well yeah uh, and you know that we you know we we can't lose the sight of the of the fact and it is a fact that they you know the mask even back then were proven to create a bacterial infection which was you know pneumonia and that's what really wiped a lot of people out beyond this this botched vaccine attempt that they had yes. so really well, we haven't we haven't changed anything well, except that, that they that
4: Yeah, that brings up a point which is a central part of my book, and I think it's important, that if COVID-19 itself is not caused by SARS-CoV-2, which I don't think it is, and if SARS-CoV-2 is not isolated enough to demonstrate its existence or to make an accurate PCR test or whatever from it, then what, what are the people dying of? And this is where we see the effects of the lockdowns, the forced masking, the antisocial distancing, the inhumanity of of uh, economic ruin mandated by big government, of people losing their livelihoods, losing their savings, risking being thrown out of their homes, the anxiety in older people who are isolated like in prisons in their homes. Uh, in their retirement communities or the old folks' homes or in hospitals, being given all the bad medicines but not the good ones for treatment in the hospitals, it's the, it's the reaction to the COVID-19 theory itself that has created all of these measures of lockdowns, and that is what killed, by my estimates, 400,000 people in 2020 alone. I ran through the numbers and I made my best estimate of how many people died from things also like uh, somebody gets a cancer and they don't go to the hospital out of fear. And by the time they uh, go, it's too late for anything to be done. Uh, And this is for conventional people thinking that the hospitals are the best place to go for cancer as well. But we, we
5: had What's the, the personal we had the personal experience. Cynthia uh, has a friend, and I happened to be over when this person showed up, and he was in the process of having a heart attack. And I was very clear that that's what was going on. And he was so terrified he actually became combative instead of wanting to go to the hospital because he was so terrified to go to a hospital. And this was at the peak of uh, you know two thousand twenty I don't know what it, was like. it was early it was spring of two thousand and twenty. So he was terrified. And he didn't want to go. And I mean, I I've, I've seen this over and over again. I've I've experienced it uh, with with my father being isolated and not able to have any contact, and um, and all of that. So it's it's for sure. And and that you know, let's let's not forget about the the astronomical drug overdoses, alcoholism, domestic violence, and suicides.
4: Yes, that has to be added to it as well. And a lot of the numbers that I wanted to include in my study, I could not get data on. So I restricted myself to only those things where I could get some reasonable data. And that calculated out to something above 400,000 people for 2020 alone. And uh, it actually included additional cancer deaths, additional heart pulmonary disease deaths, and additional unemployment deaths by despair, uh, each of those claiming upwards of 160,000 people, and
0: uh,
4: this is this is irrespective of of their having a uh, COVID-19 diagnosis or not.
0: James, so these 400,000 people are they in glo- are these global numbers or American numbers? No, for the
4: USA only.
0: Wow, that's terrible.
4: So you know so it's if much the same, more than that. the same lockdowns implemented elsewhere would have similar proportional to their population. Sure.
0: No, I, I just wanted to clarify because uh, you were saying 400,000, but of course this show goes out internationally and uh, we want to just clarify that point. But, uh, well,
4: I mean, I, I have uh, several pages in my book dedicated to this whole issue of the lockdowns. And, you know, we we're talking about a list of uh, diseases, of the comorbidities, that the CDC was claiming, uh, well, there's an equally longer list of effects, disease effects from isolation, misery, from forced masking, from uh, family violence, All everybody all locked down in the same home, um, and so on. And the deaths by despair where, you know, imagine you have a, bu- a business you've built up over years, you're just getting to the point of profitability, and along comes Big, Big Brother, saying, "No, you got to shut down everything. Just go home and forget all your dreams, all your desires, all the new car you need, uh, the your kids' education. Just f- screw it all. You know, and you don't matter. Only thing that matters is what the doctors tell you, what Big Government tells you. Uh, that's." That's what it came down to, is Big Brother bossing everyone around and killing people.
0: But some people seem to like it. They, seem, they seek comfort. I've had various conversations this week with different groups of people, some who have been vaccinated, some who have not. Uh, the ones that have already been vaccinated seem to take great comfort in the fact that they are now what they believe to be in the majority on the planet. And as I was outlining in my opening, is that there seems to be a, you know, a a narrative, the point from this week's narrative from the the, what I call the minority uh, is, is that, you know, the world is open to those who are vaccinated. But it was only a few weeks ago, we were hearing about airline pilots, who were sick, or not showing up for work or, or worse. Uh, because they had been vaccinated and they were they were not doing very well with blood clots in in high altitude environments and so on, it was yeah. only a few weeks before that that we're hearing about passengers that would not actually be allowed to fly if they'd been vaccinated. So, what happened to those people? I mean, did the news change? Was it mopped up, or are these people actually having uh, circulation issues at high altitude? I mean, I mean this is this is very curious. How how short people's memory is and the willingness of of the majority of people who well who have been vaccinated are uh, to go along with this narrative it's just it's just absolutely you know i'm astonished i'm astonished by you know daily basis how, how people can still suck this up and believe it
4: well uh, i agree with you i've seen the same sort of thing But I'll tell you one thing that I do know. To the best of my knowledge, there is no government agency in the U.N. for global or for any individual country where the side effects from lockdowns, masking, antisocial distancing, isolation, economic ruin, are being studied in terms of their pathology and morbidity. Not one agency, not one person in the whole CDC or WHO is studying that. It's all, the, the few studies I came across were all done by independent scholars, much like myself or any of these mm-hmm. other people you've interviewed over, the, over this uh, period. And same, there's not one entity in government that I know about that is monitoring the vaccines for their deadly side effects. In fact, if there's any interest in that issue at all, It's by uh, CDC trying to cover up the numbers that are coming through the VAERS system and other sources.
0: Well, there is the UK yellow card system, which is similar but different. Um, Well,
5: is the yellow card system covering up like the CDC? Because I've got screenshots and they flat out are removing numbers. There's no question about it. I mean, one week they they removed 40% of the deaths. One week.
0: (laughs) Well, I remember, again, it wasn't so many months ago that uh, the, the UK government announced that they had plans to set up an AI system which would deal with all of the adverse reactions and deaths from vaccinations. So, you know, you put, you put in one side of the computer, you get out the other side, you know, you get the answer you want uh, from an AI system. So who, who actually knows? Who actually really knows what is going on?
5: Well, you know, the, the real thing too, I mean, you know, I don't know if there's any depth to the hypocrisy at all because, you know, I think that there's honest people out there that are whistleblowing and putting their jobs on the line and everything else. One always has to ask, what are you sacrificing to get this out there or what are you getting paid to say this? Uh, that's the other side of that. But, you know, we've got all these nurses and doctors saying, look, everyone coming in has has been fully vaccinated or uh, even out of Israel, the official thing is, is that 75% of the people that are coming down with quote, COVID, quote, are vaccinated, fully vaccinated. And, you know, and those are the ones that are dying. So, you know, that's, that's also, but of course, the, the mainstream media doesn't really want to talk about it. But, you know, at any given moment, they, they it's it's the constant shifting of focus. Let's Let's face it, we've got a lot of balls up in the air. How many of them can you track at one time? I think that's on I think that's intentional.
0: I mean the the vaccine in itself, it it it, it says on the label this does not stop transmission, it does not stop you know, prevent death, it does not stop <laughs> all the it, things. It, you, you don't that even people get to take believe. your freaking
5: mask off, huh? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. You mean you the know, mask where it says on the box, "This does not protect you against COVID-19." That, that those masks, yeah. You
4: know, yeah. The, the box, uh, the, the inside uh, slips of the PCR test for for AIDS or HIV, it says not to be used for the diagnosis of, HIV, of AIDS or HIV.
5: Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, the the consent on the experimental, you know, jab. There, uh, they have blank sheets. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, how much you know how much informed consent is there? Hmm. So yeah, it goes on and on. I think that we're just they're just playing a game of shells here, and you you really, you have to go back to your you know, your seventh grade biology or wherever you go to for logic and, and, and actually rationally think this out. It's like who has what to gain? what what uh, patents were taken out on this? Who is a stakeholder like, dr fraud he's a big stakeholder in much of this right follow the money trails i think this is really what it comes down to and the way i see it
2: i'm curious you know you've been talking about how you've been writing james and i'm curious what has been the response from other researchers like yourself there's a freedom movement among the ordinary folks, and you can also see with the frontline doctors. And what kind of reception are you getting? What kind of uh, responses? There's some camaraderie among
4: researchers like yourself? Some. Uh, mostly among college students, I would say. The papers that I wrote for ResearchGate and for the Green Med Info are both. Available for free, anybody can download them, and they they contain a lot of material that's in the book. Uh, not as much, but uh, w- there have been around 50,000 downloads of those papers oh, wow. from the public. So that's that's pretty astonishing. But uh, you know, some of the papers by Eli et all and and Kaufman uh, and so on, they actually have uh, far more people downloading their papers. So there's a lot of interest, a lot of the, the news is getting out, um, but mostly it's to powerless people. I mean, you, 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 the, the doctors you see in, uh, in America's Frontline Doctors' Organization or the Association of American uh, Physicians and Surgeons, they have both taken strong positions against COVID and against uh, mandatory vaccines and so forth. But they're not powerful enough to affect uh, government. And so they're banding together now with volunteer uh, lawyers and such to sue the bastards. You know, that's their way of doing things, to mm-hmm. try and get their attention. You know, it's like that old old joke about the guy who has a mule and he's trying to get it to haul a load and yanking on the chain and it doesn't do anything, it just stands there. So he has to go over with a two-by-four and whack it in the head. And somebody says, what are you doing being cruel to that animal? He says, well, i I got to get his attention. <laughs> you know, you got to get these people's attention. And you're not going to do it by standing out in front of the courthouse yelling with a sign. Uh, there's got to be something more profound, uh, like blocking their cars so they can't get in and out, Um Talk and one thing that nobody seems willing to do, or very few, we have to start a campaign to educate the police, get the sheriffs on our side. Because well, actually, we do the have how families,
2: families. Has come on the show with the red line, red thin line. Uh, been- you know,
5: and Sheriff Mac has done a lot to to teach in this country.
4: Well, that's good, and but we need to start educating the skeptic sheriffs and their police forces. Because if the government barks out some order, how are they going to enforce it if the police forces say, we're not going to waste our scant resources on this? And then nothing happens.
0: You see, it's. Well, it's I believe. It's,
4: this is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak.
0: I believe that there are undoubtedly some good people left in the police forces around the world, but I have to say that from what I've seen, I believe the selection process has been tailor made to put a group of people into these forces who enjoy power and, uh, you know, don't need very much to sort of let go. And, uh, I mean, I've seen so many hundreds of videos in the last year and a half where police are being unnecessarily aggressive towards people. Even this week I saw one where an 80-year-old man was walking across a, a a park in Australia with no mask. The police handcuffed him, uh, tormented him, you know, upset him, stressed him out. And he basically had a heart attack and mild stroke there and then on, at that particular point. It was a police-induced uh, heart attack. Now these police, that, yeah, they're, they're gonna have to pay for this. They're gonna be on the other side of the law
4: well, when this whole I thing turns around. Where we have to start filming the cops, getting their badge numbers, who does this, which unit, documenting it, and then uh, some brave attorney has got to send him a cease and desist uh, letter that says, if you police forces continue with this, we're going to uh, bring up charges against you when the political winds change. And, uh, you know, for for their officers, that becomes a real issue. Uh, but I think that it's that kind of aggressive legal strategy that needs to be taken uh, now where we still have chances of, of legal legal measures. And I think we're rapidly moving to a situation where the law doesn't matter. The governor issues an edict which is totally unconstitutional and illegal. The police forces and the, the county sheriffs take it under advisement and enforce it uh, as if it was had the power of law when it
0: doesn't. James, unfortunately, we're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to come back and discuss this in the next, next visit. Despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, you will see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, activists, and innovators who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda, to make your own independent research and to stop acquiescing and stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Remember, you were born with power. You wake up each day with power. It is entirely up to you to choose how you could retain or give it away. You've been listening to another live broadcast of The Other Side of the News. This 69th edition is entitled Forecasting Humanity and remains available to all listeners free of charge at www.theothersideofthenews.com. My name is Timothy Saunders and together with Kintia and Annette Driscoll, We offer special thanks to our guest, Dr. James DeMeo. Good night.